It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. The dog days of summer are officially here. It's August. Can you believe it? Such a big episode of the pod for you today. We're going to discuss the romance of long irons and perhaps... We should just chuck him out of the bag. Also, a wonderful mad golfer of the week. And a Nick Rules that I am very excited about. A little bit of a format change. Before we get to any of it, a reminder to please rate and review the podcasts. No matter where you listen, there are just about as many podcast platforms these days as there are podcasts. If you're on Apple, hit the five stars. Stitcher. Google, Overcast, Top Box, Low Box, Side Box. Please give us five stars. As always, At The Turn is proudly presented by Piper Golf. Go to piper.golf. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout for incredible savings on incredible golf balls. Nick, what's the longest iron in your bag, my friend? I've got a four iron. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you like it? I, I like it. I don't use it a ton. Um, as my, I mean, my, my game with my driver has, has really come along since you've played with me last. So I don't have a ton of need. Um, now wait a minute. Your driver was really good last year. Well then, then that's, yeah, it's, it's pretty good now. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's about the same. Hasn't, okay. <laughs> I haven't gotten even better, but. Yeah, I was going to um, say now I'm 310 when I miss hit it. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, um, yeah, I don't have a huge need for it. Maybe. Twice around at the courses I'm playing around here, I'll, I'll hit it off the tee. Almost never what I need to hit it out of the fairway. Um, so I don't use it a ton, but but I like it. It's it's when you, when you catch those things, it's it's a fun feeling. Well, I wanted to bring this topic to the podcast for a couple of reasons. I I love a three iron. I've I've had a three iron in my bag 
since high school. You have to special order a three iron. It's not like it'll come with a normal iron set anymore. They are discouraging the three irons from being a part of the bag. And common sense would dictate that it's a more difficult club to hit. It's not as forgiving as a lofted fairway would. I put out there on the old tweets, the best feeling you could have on grass is flushing a three iron. And then someone who follows me on Twitter, who is a caddy, at Bandon Dunes, just very coldly responded, no one should be hitting a three iron. Which, coming from a caddy, is is glorious. Well, here's the thing that that has happened that people may not really realize or, or understand, is that a three iron 15 years ago is is probably like a four or five iron today because of the way that lost. So, so – the Callaways and the Titleists and the TaylorMades, they want to say these irons are longer than before. Well, how do you make how do you make the golf club go farther? You you take a little bit of loft off of it. So as they've done that over the years, the loss would become stronger. So a th- if, if you were to go one club below a four iron, that loft is now so low that pretty much people wouldn't need to hit it. And, and then the, the yardage gap wouldn't make sense with where their woods end. Um, and the same things happened at the top of the bag. Now you need more clubs at the top because a nine iron is what like a seven iron used to be. So now you have to have a gap wedge, and a sand wedge, lob wedge, and a pitching wedge. So the three iron is kind of that club along with like a three wood or a five wood or a hybrid that's kind of been lost in the shuffle. It's a gray area for a lot of players where it's like, how many of these clubs do I really need in my bag? Because now I have to have three or four wedges. So you make a really interesting point. So do you think club manufacturers are doing that to stroke the golfer's ego or so they can sell more specialized golf clubs? I think it's to it's it's marketing. I think it's to to sell more clubs. Like if you say these clubs are longer than than the same model from last year or three years ago or five years ago, uh, that's I think where it started. And then they kind of probably started to realize like what the unintended consequences were, which are you know these three irons, the the addition of the gap wedge. Um, but also, so now that three irons have become even harder to hit than they were when they were true three irons, uh, and people aren't using them as much, they have made in the last like four years, three or four years, like these specialized driving irons, which they call them two and three irons. They have graphite shafts, big heads. Like that's, that's if you want to hit a long iron today, if you're going to, to search for a driving iron today, that's your sweet spot. Well, There's always a thing that is new in golf that the establishment makes fun of. So I'm old enough and have played golf long enough to where the first set of woods that I owned had steel shafts in them. Like the five wood that I played in high school, which was granted 20-ish years ago now, had a steel shaft in it. And that was commonplace and graphite shafts were for women and for seniors, and I would never do that, and all this stigma associated with it. And that, like, two years later, it was everybody has graphite shafts in all of their woods. And a lot of people have graphite shafts in their irons, as they should, because swing speed dictates it. Well, now it's lofted fairway woods. Dustin Johnson carries a seven wood. More and more men's professional golfers are carrying these lofted fairway woods, which were always viewed as, again, seniors and women's clubs because there's, you know, this macho stigma associated with 
hitting a two wood or hitting a two iron or a three iron as opposed to a lofted fairway wood. And that was the other reason why I wanted to bring this up, Nick, is the idea that players should ditch long irons and have lofted fairway woods. I've been toying around with the idea because I carry the only the only woods I have is I, I have a driver and I have a five wood. I've played that way for, I don't know, seven, eight years. Yeah, as long as I played with you. Yeah, and it 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 does the job for me. Um, you know, the the fairway wood is what I used to hit a draw. I hit a cut with the driver. There's quite a big distance gap, but not big enough where I would consider changing it because it does what I need to do. But I've really been considering the idea of switching from just a five wood to doing a three wood and a seven wood and ditching the three iron. That's that's something that I've been toying around with to give myself more options, like you said, at the top of the bag, because and I really didn't consider it until you said that the three iron that I have in my bag is probably like a two iron of the 80s in terms of loft. So what I'm trying to figure out is what is the downside of making that switch of getting more fairway woods, less long irons in my bag. And here's what I've settled on. And I want you to tell me if this is crazy or not. I play in Portland, Oregon. We have a lot of tall trees around here. Part of the reason why I've always carried a three iron and been comfortable with it is because I don't hit 100% of my fairways. In fact, sometimes I miss them by a lot. So it requires you to hit a low punch shot, probably like 75 yards that doesn't get more than 15 feet off the ground. The more loft you have, the more difficult that shot is. So I tell myself that I need that club to hit that shot, but... If I'm hitting the seven wood off the tee more, maybe I don't miss as many fairways. Maybe that's not required. So what do you think of that balance? Uh, well, the first thing I would say is if if you if this whole conversation started with the best feeling in golf, the best feeling on grass is flushing a three iron, you probably shouldn't get rid of your three iron. Because at the end of the day, this is a recreational game. You do it for fun. If, if that if that brings you joy, Oof. then that is something Does you need to ever. consider. Um if you're just talking about like what is what is best for Joe Simon's game, three iron is not the most versatile club in the bag. There's a lot of clubs you can punch out from under the trees, 75 yards. Um, you know, I would say the one that's you're probably going for a lot of par fives and two. Um, what club do you need for that shot? When you need something other than driver off the tee, what club do you need for that shot? And which club can you hit the most consistently, the most reliable? That's the one that's the most effective. But Again, I'm not trying to take joy out of your bag. I know, but part of it is too, like, as soon as we're done with this pod, I have to go to the golf store to exchange some golf shoes. Am am I going to come home with $800 worth of new golf clubs? Like, maybe. That's awesome. It is awesome. But see, and, and and that's the thing is, like, the the joy of hitting the three iron, so much of it is... I know it's difficult and I know people don't do it. And when you catch it right, it feels so pure. But to have a three wood and a seven wood and then a four iron, you're right. The par five thing is true. Like if I have 220 and most of that's a forced carry, I had that shot the other day. I had 210 into a par five. It was almost all carry over water. And I knew I should have laid up because it was in the rough and over a tree and all these things. If I had a seven wood, like a very lofted metal, mm-hmm. I would have been very comfortable with that shot. Instead, I overswang on a four iron and I hooked it to hell and gone. 
So yeah. maybe I'm answering my own question here. This is more of a therapy session than anything else right well, now. Well, the last the last question I'll ask you before we move on is is like what is that distance gap between your driver and your five wood? Because that's something you really should consider as drivers have become longer. I think that's why we're getting these seven woods because now Dustin Johnson's driver goes 300. What about when he needs to hit it 240? You know, his three woods go in 270. Like, God, you got to find, you just need to have a club for the yardages that you need. And every, every person, depending on how far they hit their driver and what course they play needs different yardages. I would say my driver like is, is probably like 275 to 280. Like I'll, I'll say that's like the low high end of what I do. Like it'll go 300 sometimes, but typically it's more like 275, 280. And the five wood is anywhere between like 240 to 220. It's probably more like 230, 235, like on average off the tee. So I have a pretty good gap there. If I was to have like a three wood, that's like a 260, 250 club. And then a seven wood, that's like a 220, 210 club. Yeah. Especially with that high trajectory where it's going to stop on a dime. Oh, I'm I'm going to the golf store right after this, aren't what, I? Yeah. What's and, and what's your three iron? Flush three iron. What's that carrying? I a fl- like I hit one off the tee the other day that went two fifty. Like I can I can mash it, but a miss hit two iron, you're you're probably talking like two ten, and it's a lower shot, which sometimes is beneficial, especially off the tee. But to your point. When am I going to need it more often? Am I going to need it more often off the tee or am I going to need it more often into a par five? And at that point, a three wood or seven wood is more realistic and I have a better chance to do it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Are you, what, that was a lot about me. What are you doing at the top of your bag? So I have driver, three wood, five wood, and a three hybrid. And I, mm. I usually game one of those, like, so obviously the driver, um, Right now, it's just driver, five wood, and then four iron through lob wedge. Um, and I don't, do you- yeah, I don't have like I could flip them out if I'm not hitting something well, or if the course, if I need like if I need a three wood, you know, I have this old five wood that was in my garage for like five years. And one day, I just it's not even that old, but one day I just took it to the course and started puring it, and it's been in my bag for like two years, and it's it. super. It's like 10 yards shorter than than a flushed three wood, but I, I flush it like 85% of the time as opposed to 30% of the time. So uh it's it's great. Yeah. If you're if you're comfy with one of those fairway woods, like who cares how far it goes? Like if it's a fairway finder, fantastic. It, exactly. You don't need an exact yardage, you know, with, with that type of club. So yeah, I usually I have one of those three in my bag and then I, I rock all the irons. All right. Well, I'll I'll keep everyone posted. I know you're waiting Please. with bated breath. Um, I'll post the receipt from Golf Galaxy if I decide to go today and spend way too much money on these lofted woods. Nick, it is now time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. Folks, if you have a Mad Golfer of the Week to submit, please send it to attheturnpod at gmail.com. As a reminder, this segment, we find a review online of someone who is displeased at a golf course that they should probably be happy about. As always, Matt Golfer of the Week is brought to you by T-Box Coffee, a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California, packaged for the golfer who can shoot 68, the golfer who shoots 112, and every score in between. Let T-Box fuel your morning rounds. Promo code TURN15 at checkout. Nick, this is the site of the 2015 United States Men's Open Championship, Chambers Bay and University Place. 
I've had the pleasure of playing it about a half dozen times. I played it before the greens were redone and after the greens were redone. It's a spectacular track. It's very, very fun. It's challenging as hell. If you miss one three-footer, don't let it get in your head. It's going to be very, very difficult to recover. I think I've averaged around 39 putts around at Chambers Bay Golf Course. Nice. This is from Pants Right. It's titled, Great Course and Caddy. Very poor security at course. Quote, Golf course was fantastic, and our caddy Jason was excellent. After playing our round in less than four hours, we go to our rental SUV and find that it was broken into. We had thousands of dollars of items stolen, and Chambers Bay response was, quote, this has happened quite a bit recently. We filled out an incident report at the course. We had to catch a flight, which they said would lead to a police report. That never happened. There are no security cameras or police oversight, and they offered us absolutely nothing for our tremendous loss. That was amazing to my playing partner and I. We spent hundreds of dollars in the pro shop. I had to call the local police myself because I had a CPAP machine stolen. Course is great, but management and staff are useless. Now, let me describe the parking situation at Chambers Bay for those that are unfamiliar. So you are literally in an old rock quarry. So when you get to Chambers Bay, you have to drive down a long winding driveway and you're all the way at the bottom of this rock quarry. And you have to walk from the parking lot a great distance to the pro shop on the other side of this. It's no longer a quarry. It's more of like a park and people are walking dogs. And it's a beautiful, beautiful area on the Puget Sound. You are so far removed from anyone associated with the golf course. Do you think the people in the facilities are culpable for the losses of you leaving expensive things in your car is insane to me. Even if that was not the case, Nick, let's say it's a typical golf course. How often do you see signs in parking lots? Management is not responsible for damage to cars. Like, why is the head golf pro responsible for your CPAP machine in the trunk of your car? It seems like a no brainer, right? It's also a municipal golf course. It's not like it's not like a, a private country club where you're paying membership and, you know, then in that case, become the president and make sure there's security on the premises. This is a muni. It is. It is a municipal golf course. I can't believe these people think that the staff of Chambers Bay is responsible. Every experience I've had out there has been fantastic. Yeah, it costs a lot. But you know what? Jordan Spieth won a U.S. Open there, so it's probably going to cost a lot. That's how it works. Don't leave valuables in your car. Don't leave. Just just don't Seriously. do it. When I when I have my AirPods in the little case in the car, I stick those in the glove box. I don't want someone breaking a window to, to, to get them out of my car. There you go. Smart. That is your Mad Golfer of the Week brought to you by T-Box Coffee. Nick, you seem pretty excited for this week's edition. I've got something that I think is interesting that not a lot of people think about. Okay. Well, unfortunately, the theme song is still pending for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use turn 20 at checkout at matchstickgolf.com. Okay, Nick, what do you got? All right. We're going to start Nick Rules with a would you rather. Mm. Um, You can change one rule, Joe, and uh, I'm interested what you think about this because I know you're not a fan of the out-of-bounds rule. Mm. I'm going to give you the opportunity to change all out-of-bounds to a lateral hazard. The other option, this has been kind of gotten a lot of pubs since Tiger Woods had a hit out of a divot on the 
uh, famously derailed his 2022 2022, uh, British Open bid at at St. Andrews. The other option is you can move your ball out of a divot in the fairway. You can change one of these rules, Joe. Which would you rather? Hitting out of a divot? That's golf, baby. That's part of the game. There's a little there's a little hole in the fairway because someone else hit out of it. That's just that's just how it works. I I'm sorry that it happened to Tiger Woods. I like Tiger Woods. He's one of my favorite golfers. We shouldn't change this rule. That's very very dumb. As a matter of fact, when I see someone in a recreational round moving a ball out of a divot, I think that's kind of lame too. If you're in a bunker and it's a bad line of bunker moving it out, I think that sucks. Try these hard shots. Tr- try it. Like, it's a part of the game. Out of bounds versus lateral hazard is crazy because a lateral hazard is a one-stroke penalty. Out of bounds, you know, they say it's 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 also a one-stroke penalty and then you re-hit. It's a two-shot penalty. You're, you're being penalized two strokes for hitting the ball out of bounds. Sometimes you have an area that's marked as a lateral hazard. Sometimes you don't. So that's a lost ball and also considered out of bounds. So it's the same penalty as an OB. It's way too punitive. I don't understand why we decided that you needed to have two strokes versus one stroke of the lateral hazard. It will speed the game up. <clears throat> Scores will be lower. In the, Am I the alone March, in this? The, no. The march back to where you previously hit is, is oh, absurd. Humiliating. Um, no, I agree. It's it's the it's the OB. And it's because one of these things makes the game faster for everybody and more fun. You, you're going to shoot a lower score if, if you're only taking one stroke when you, when you whack it into the bushes as opposed to two. I think moving out of a divot would be more fair. Like, sure, if you hit your ball that terribly, you should have a penalty to pay. But people don't follow that anyways. Nobody, I haven't seen anybody walking back in a non-tournament setting in 10 years. The divot thing... Should you be penalized for a good shot? You hit you you just bombed the drive. You're in birdie territory, and and now all of a sudden you're just hoping to to straggle together a par because your ball's in a divot. Sure, it's not fair, but guess what? It doesn't really impact anybody else on the golf course. So we'll go with for the sake of the speed of play, for lower scores, for everybody's enjoyment, for replacing out of bounds, but everything's red. Yes, I. I said this on our master's preview and you and Patrick McDonald of CBS sports looked at me like I was an absolute lunatic. Like I, I, I can't believe this guy is saying this thing. And now Shane Ryan noted slash controversial golf author has also taken up this mantle that he thinks OB is crazy as well. I hope to get him on a future podcast episode so we can talk about this together. The yeah. thing about landing in a divot being a bad break is that's part of the game. Like, when someone hits into the trees and it kicks it back into the fairway, do you have to grab your ball and place it back in the trees because that was a good break? No, it's part of the game. You have to play the ball as it lies. Like Shooter McGavin famously said, I had to hit it off Frankenstein's fat foot back there. You got to play the ball as it sits. In a divot, not in a divot. And you know what? Don't, because... I think what happens when people have a ball land in a divot is they look at it and they immediately say to themselves, well, this is a bad break. And they let that 
influence how they play the shot. Instead of thinking that way, think about how to play the shot out of the divot and trying to execute that shot. If it's 90 yards away, you're not going to take out your lob wedge and try to hit a 90-yard shot. Or maybe you are. You have to play it a little bit differently. Get creative. You think old Tom Morris was bitching about his ball being in a divot? No. A, definitely, a Scottish he definitely terrier. was. <laughs> maybe young Tom Morris didn't. Old Tom Morris was grumpy. But like a Scottish Terrier could come and pick up his feathery and run it 50 yards down the fairway. Like you just have to play the breaks you're given in the game of golf. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm getting off my no, soapbox. All, I'm, all good. I agree with that 100%. This was kind of a setup, Joe, because I wanted to pitch – this this other idea. There's a concept that nobody really thinks about. Okay. I'm not really pitching that that we should make this change. I'm pitching that it would have been better if when golf were invented and being formulated, it would have wound up this way instead of that way. So a golf hole is four and a quarter inches. And that is because back in the 1800s, there was no standard. Courses probably didn't even have a standard from the first hole to the seventh hole. It was just however however big the greenskeeper cut it that day. And then, and then some guy got smart and found a big piece of pipe and used that to, to cut the holes. And the, the biggest pipe he could find was four and a quarter inches. So that became the size of a golf hole. Before that, some were four, some were six, some were nine, some were five, it just whatever. I am here to convince you that if golf holes from the 1800s had been six inches, we would have a better game. We wouldn't. We would not have to change equipment. We would not have to change the length of courses. Rounds would be thirty to forty-five minutes faster. There would be more exciting holeouts. You would hold longer putts. You could you could be more aggressive with your putts because you're going to make more of your comebackers. You're going to shoot lower scores. And and we're playing everything else is the same. The equipment's the same. The course is the same. Everything else is the same. So you want to increase the size of golf holes by an inch and a half. I don't want to change the way it is today. We've, okay. we've that, you can't put it back. You can't put the toothpaste back in that tube. I'm just saying perhaps yes. if I had one chance to go back in time, I might use it to go back <laughs> to the like 1850s to 1870s and cut six-inch golf holes on all the golf courses. Nick's, Nick's not going to kill baby Hitler. He's going to change the size of golf holes. I love it. That's a true, that's a true golfer. Um, okay. Wow, I didn't know this was the direction you were going. I have to think about this for a second. So <laughs> you think you think the game would be faster? There'd be uh, – do you think there'd be less of a gap between professionals and amateurs with the size of the golf hole being bigger? Is that part of what you're advocating for? Uh, I don't – I think the gap w- would be the same. Instead of professionals okay. holding half of their 8-foot putts, they'd hold half of their 15-foot putts. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know – now that I'm thinking out loud, I don't know if you guys ever did this. Do you remember when COVID first started and courses were doing different things to allow golfers to play golf? So one of the things they were doing out here was the cup was above the hole. Mm-hmm. And if you hit any part of the cup, that ball would be considered a hole. Whether or not you hit the dead center, if you just tinged it, just barely nicked it, you'd be considered a holdout. So that to me is almost like what you were saying. We had a few months of golf holes being slightly bigger because you wouldn't actually have to hold the putt. If you just touch the cup, it would go in. So right. did you, did you experience that any at all on the East coast? A, a little bit, but I didn't find um, to hold that many more putts. Cause you're still have, your ball still has to 
breach the hole. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, yeah, sure, sure. There's, there's a, every once in a while, you know, one that might have lipped out what would still ding the cup, but I, I knock him in the center anyway. So it didn't really uh, impact, didn't really impact I, my game. I love it. Well, that, what was so funny about that is I remember when that first started and being on the putting green with my buddies being like, I mean, are we prepared to shoot 66 today, guys? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and it'd still be a heartbreaking, like 78 or whatever. Um, wow. Wow. I just, I know. It, it, it's crazy to think about because you don't ever really, you just accept that the hole is, is yeah. four and a quarter. It's a, it's a pretty damn small hole. Like a 400-yard hole, you've got this four and a quarter inch target. Six inches is not that much bigger. But when you're standing over a chip from like 10 yards off the green, like the chances of making that have almost doubled right and like that makes it more exciting like you're still pro- most of the time gonna get up and you know trying to get up and down maybe get up in two putt but i don't know there's more of a chance for for some thrill match play will be more exciting it's it's such a Again, difficult I, proposition to discuss because i know golf holes is a certain size like if yeah. if if golf holes had always been this size, I would never think about these things Which, in relation to each other. Exactly what I'm pitching. I'm not saying they should change it. I'm not asking for a change. We can't do it. We're not. I'm not spearheading that. Not asking for a change. I'm just asking. I'm just saying, if you accepted it as six inches, the way you mm-hmm. accepted it as four and a quarter, we would have. I think we would have a be- a better game. You'd play so much faster. The biggest thing is pace of play. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. I'm all about pace of play. Man, you shoot lower scores. Of course, the it would all be relative. You know, ninety would be like the new one hundred. If this is what we're coming up on episode one hundred thirty-seven of At the Turn, I can't wait to hear hear what it is at like episode two hundred. Is, is this is like the most yeah. out there concept that I've ever I've ever brought up on the podcast? The concept isn't like necessarily out there. It's just the way that you want to achieve it. It's like all right, so. Doc Brown comes in the DeLorean. He opens it up and he says, Nick, where do you want to go? I say, take me back to the 15th century. I'm going to tell these boys how big their holes should be. I love it. I think it's great. It's so insane that it makes sense. Well, Nick's getting a Slack notification, so we should probably wrap up this episode of At The Turn. Folks, I do want to inform you, coming up very, very soon, maybe next week, maybe the week after, but we're going to watch The Phantom of the Open. It is now streaming Ashley, you have to watch it too. We'll watch it before 9 p.m. to make sure that you're going to check it out. She's accepted her her fate of, of viewing this movie. That's great. Lacey has two, so we've driven it home with the ladies. We're going to watch this. We're going to discuss it. We're opening up the golf movie five. So that's just a title. That doesn't mean we're going to watch five more golf movies. It's a very important distinction that we have to make. But yeah, check it out. It's supposed to be fabulous. It's by the director of Paddington 2, which is the best movie made of the century. I'm only half joking when I say that. It's extraordinary. Phantom of the Open. It is now streaming. Check it out. By the lofted fairway woods. Nick, I'm just going to text you pictures of my new 11 wood that I'm going to get later today. I love it. I can't wait. Just hitting the ball a mile in the air from 165. Place your six iron. (laughs) At the turn, patrons, enjoy your day. Hit them straight. Stay cool. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at the turn.
Thank <laughs> you.